Hello everyone and welcome to That's A Wrap podcast, the show where we wrap up the latest films we've seen. I'm your host, Matthew Parkinson. And I'm your other host, Joe Downey. The date of recording today is the 18th of June and the time of recording is 4.50pm. Remember to follow our Instagram pages at uh, TAW Podcast, that's TAW Podcast. If you ever want to suggest films and topics for us to talk about, our DMs will be open over there. You'll also be able to be up to date with our new story feature, which is Film Track of the Day. You can also check out our Facebook page if you type up That's A Wrap Podcast or TAW Podcast. Make sure to give us a like and share. It really helps out the show. When it comes to listening, we are available on all major DSPs such as Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, <gasps> Overcast and Apple Music. So make sure to give us a follow and download on those platforms and leave a review where available as it really helps out the show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the latest films we're, uh, we're watching, both in and outside the podcast, you can check out our letterbox pages at Joe Film User and Clappy P. The opening and closing jingles that you hear on the show are by Philip Buster. Please check out his music at soundcloud.com forward slash Philip Buster underscore official. Hey. I heard the little... <laughs> the yeah, no, I just needed to take a breath. It's, <laughs> cool. it's a long intro. Yeah, if you guys are wondering, if you if you've you've been you've heard us before and you're wondering, oh, it's a it's a, it's a little rejig around. Um, yeah, that, that's 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 Matty P on the mic on the ones and twos. Doing how, the how little intro. How did it feel? Last time uh, we did it was the Charlie Kaufman episode, right? Was it? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, so I, it's been uh, a while. But... Uh, my lung capacity isn't as great as yours, so I have to take more breaths when doing the intro. Like I'm always. Uh, I'm always taken aback by how like quickly you do it and how like fluidly you do it. It's, Thank you. It's very impressive, it. and I, I haven't reached that stage yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess. Uh, and if you're new to us, if if this is the uh, first time you're hearing us, we're a yeah, we're a film podcast show where we just first impressions or of the films we've seen, or not not even first impressions. Sometimes if we've seen the films, well, <laughs> basically we're casual, and that's yeah. I think our main. Five of today is just a nice casual episode, so, yeah. you know, however you listen to it, uh, you know, follow your bliss, but if you're unwinding or having a nap or sleeping, today is the episode for that, because we're going to, we, we're chill today, we've got two films, and um, we didn't mean to go across this theme though, I don't think, I think we just, I, I we kind, kind of, of I, I kind of pushed for it a bit, because oh, yeah? I, I okay. think, yeah, so shall I say what the theme yeah, is yeah. today, so I think our theme today is low-budget sci-fi, right, if I'm right. not mistaken. And I think, because we, we chose one film to begin with, and then yeah. we were trying to think of another film. We had a couple of ideas, and right. you had a number of ideas that weren't going with that theme, right, but kind right. of just like random films. Because yeah. we like to do that sometimes. On the yeah, show. We, we like to yeah. just talk about a random roster of films. But I, I kind of wanted to push for this low-budget sci-fi thing, because I think it's a cool theme yeah. to, be, to be talking about. And yeah, the two films we're talking about today, I think, are both good examples yeah. of, of that um, that theme of low-budget sci-fi. So uh, mm. do, do you want to tell us what those films are? Oh, I thought we were going to have a little chat first. Okay, no, yeah, <laughs> oh, we, we can, can have a little chat first, yeah. <laughs> when was the last time we recorded? We, last time we recorded. April, right? Uh, uh, well, no, it was after I moved in, wasn't it? So Yes, so moved to Bournemouth. we're in person now. If, yes, um, this is our second episode in person yeah. since... Cool. February Fine. 2020, I believe. So last episode re- released <laughs> May 24th. Yeah, that yes. sounds about right. Um, can't blame me, time flies. Because I recently moved to Bournemouth because I, I was living down in Surrey in Epsom mm. before uh, for about a year. And I recently moved back to Bournemouth and I've been living here for about a month now. And mm. yeah, we've finally been able to do an episode in person. This is our 
Yeah, the second. Yeah, I think. How yeah. how did you find the the first episode in person back with with Cloudy? Um. Yeah. No, it was really good. Yeah. I, I think Cloudy was a, a really good guest. Obviously, yeah. like we had a lot to talk about with that one. And yeah, no, it was just really refreshing doing it without like lag. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just very glad to not be wearing headphones because they squish my brain. Yeah. I just. Ugh. The worst like, I'm them. always worried about, like, delays and sound yeah, issues, yeah. and it's it's always a bit of a faff, and doing it in person is, excuse me, a lot smoother. And, um, where, where are we right now, Matthew? Um, we're, we're in your house. That's crazy. What do you think of the, the, the domain we're in? <laughs> For the listeners. Uh, Joe's room is, uh, less than clean. There's a lot of bottles, like, water bottles, Coke bottles, what looks like... Some kind of alcohol yeah, that's bottle. A, that's it's, just, it's just, you know, there's a little Paddington toy <laughs> on the ground just there. It's, a, yeah. it's very lived in. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's, there's a, there's that's a lot of features. Yeah. 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 Got a good DVD collection. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I, I, with the theme thing. So, yeah, like, we, we either do like a random batch just for a bit of like an eclectic feel or we'll do a theme. I think, yeah, originally when we had the one film, I didn't think we were going to go down this theme and then we. We ended up doing so, and um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Lo-fi, lo-fi, low, low budget, budget sci-fi, sci-fi. <laughs> and yeah. Although, Beats to study too. Although both of these films fit the theme of low budget sci-fi, one does slightly yeah. more, I think, because even though famous. these over even more famous in this, but also what I'm I'm talking about is like they're both low budget, relatively speaking, to other sci-fi's, but one is a lot more low budget yeah. than the other, I think, and we'll get into that. Yeah. And then really I guess good. one more thing before we get into it is um, we've we think we've both had a cu- colourful month or so of film watching uh, and if you like like we said in the intro if you want to check it out just find our letterboxes but um what would you say has been just something of note or a highlight to you recently? Uh, so this month because I've been busy lately because right. I got a job recently since mm. recording the last episode I recently got a part time job at a yeah. hotel. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And um, no, so I've had less time to watch films. So this month I've seen only six films. Um, Shall I go through them? Uh, uh, Just say though. I'd say the most interesting one I saw was Dog Star Man, which is this very experimental art house film, which is essentially just like archive footage and like uh, shapes and colors, like film stock that's been painted on and lots of like. It's a completely silent film and doesn't have a narrative, obviously. It's literally just, like, modern art, basically, in a film form. And it was really cool watching that. Um, yeah, I've written a review of it on Letterboxd. Go check it out. Hey, nice. nice. <laughs> um, <what about? laughs> the first thing pops is Madagascar 3. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been... Uh, one of the other reasons why the episode's been a bit postponed is I was quite ill for a bit because I had a bad yeah. cold. It wasn't COVID, luckily. Uh, tested twice, so we're all Gucci. And um, also today, we've recently got the vaccine, so that's all. Very nice. Yeah, but um, I've <laughs> it's all over the place. I've saw saw Mortal Kombat, the perfect film to watch. Bedridden. Yeah. This is the second goofy movie I've watched recently. So an extremely <laughs> goofy movie instead of Goofy Movie One, um, and Madagascar Three. So nice. Take of that what you will. Um, but yeah, so Moon. <laughs> That's yeah, my segue. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow, we're really dipping on these segues, aren't we? Before they we, used to be clever, Joe. They, they really did. <laughs> to the moon. Um, so yeah, our first film of the day is Moon. Yeah, the uh, 
2009 Duncan Jones film starring Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> have you got a synopsis before we go into Google? Uh, yes, I actually prepared one this hey. time. So my synopsis that I wrote with a little bit of help from other sources was uh, taking place in the near future where a lunar corporation has made a, fo- a fortune mining for alternative fuel sources on the moon. A lone astronaut played by Sam Rockwell is nearing the end of his three-year contract when a sudden accident leads him to a life-altering discovery. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Google says, Astronaut Sam, the sole employee working at a lunar station with his computer Gertie, is nearing the end of his three-year work contract. Just before he returns home, he meets with a fatal accident. Vaguey, vague, vague, vague. It's very similar <laughs> to the one I wrote. I think I expanded No, more... not, not you. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I think with mine, I... I just mentioned a bit more about right. like the the sort of background of mm-hmm. the world of the film like why they're on the moon because i remember we watched this together yeah and your question was like why are they on the moon i and like they <laughs> said i, I could answer I was, it because I, 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 I forgot while watching it harvesting right yeah <laughs> yeah harvesting for alternative fuel sources did yeah. you write your own synopsis or was it just me okay so how are you doing today matt <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh it's been a long journey to recording this episode life has got that the that's way. fair enough it's Many okay time. it's uh, okay yeah. I was just asking, I wasn't, like, prime. No, 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 I'm letting you listen, no. It's, it's an odd one, because I have to, like... It, like, it'll feel like we're just chatting to each other, and yeah. then I'll remember that we're recording, and that it's going up to the world. <laughs> so, I'll, like, I'll talk to you as if, like, oh, yeah, we know what we're talking about. It's and then we're like, fine. let me clarify. Nah, it's all right. So, yeah, this is Duncan Jones' directorial debut. Duncan Jones is uh, a, a sci- sci- mainly sci-fi filmmaker, sci-fi fantasy. Uh, he's also... David Bowie's son, um, just, yeah, fun fact, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, originally named Zoe Bowie, yeah, um, <laughs> and yeah, I think we, we hit the nail on the head in regards to the, the synopsis, um, we, <laughs> good point, the royal <laughs> I'm we, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, um, this one for me is not only is it a bit difficult to talk about because it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's difficult for me to talk about in general because it's a film I'm very indifferent to. Mm. What What was your first introduction to this film? So this is a film I saw for the first time a few years ago. I can't exactly pinpoint when, right. but I seem to remember it was when I was at sixth form college, I think, so like 2016 or something like that. And I was kind of getting more into films, watching more films. And I think this was just on TV. And right. my dad introduced it to me because he's a big fan of this film. He loves his his sci-fi. He loves The Martian. He yeah. loves Sunshine. He loves a lot of like Danny Boyle films. And um, Episode 16, I believe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the numbers, but um, <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, we, we watched this together on TV and... No, I I I I liked it a lot on on first watch. I, I thought mm. it was really good. I couldn't remember, like it was interesting watching this for a second time as well. We watched this very recently yeah. for, and it was my second time watching this, and it was interesting because I couldn't remember all the little details right. of the plot, but I remember like all the big moments and big reveals and like the general premise of it, which is it's this film with basically just Sam Rockwell on his own on the space station, yeah, and. Yeah, I, I mentioned in the synopsis, he's um, when he's nearing the end of his contract, he comes into a sudden accident, which leads into a life-altering discovery. That discovery is that he finds out he is a clone, one of many different clones. Because on this space... Uh, basically what happens is on, he's uh, working on the space station and 
he's out on a Luna rover or something and uh, something happens and he crashes and he pa- passes out and then he wakes up in the infirmary on his space station and the sort of AI that's with him called Gertie, voiced by Kevin Spacey, mm. who we didn't mention earlier, but um, yeah, it's just him and this AI. They, he wakes up and he thinks, oh, something's not right. And so he checks out the crash site and he finds himself there. He finds another the, quote, clone of himself, another Sam Rockwell there. So he realises, oh, am I a clone or is this a clone? What's going on? So that kind of yeah. alters his whole perspective on what's going on. And the film kind of picks up from there as like, you know, what does he think of this whole situation? Where does yeah. it go next? It's really... I like this film quite a lot. Um, Just to quickly yeah. clarify for listeners, it, that is the clo- Sam Rockwell meeting a clone version of himself isn't necessarily a spoiler. It is what the film is about. Yeah, um, it's in trailers. Um, it happens in like the first half hour, yeah. so it, it's not a spoiler. But in in general, in regards to these films, like we we'll tread lightly, but at yeah. the same time, it is a like a film discussion. So if you you know you could always either pause and then come back to it or you know mm. if you don't mind a little bit of plot points here and there we won't say anything like completely ruining essentially yeah <laughs> just no, <laughs> like I, yeah yeah <laughs> I, I will try my best to because it is a difficult film to no, talk no, about in general, yeah yeah, yeah. Comes to... but this film in particular i think is quite difficult to talk about because right. there are quite a few events that kind of escalate and mm. fall on top of each other and like reveal certain things that surprise you and it's it's hard to kind of skirt around those right. while also talking about it because it's you know it's yeah. quite fascinating to yeah. talk about but yeah unlike you I, i'm not indifferent to this film i do <laughs> quite like it quite a bit i think right. when i first saw it i can't remember what my initial thoughts were um i, I think i remember enjoying it at the time but on rewatch i think i enjoyed it even more because right. i knew most of like the big twist moments where and i kind of saw them coming and how the film was paced and yeah i, I just really like it. i think it's a really simple and smart premise that fits very well with the low budget theme because it's obviously it's like one location yeah. for the majority of the film obviously there's some like cgi shots outside yeah. on the surface of the moon and with the rover but generally speaking it's mainly just, just inside the space station yeah, yeah with <laughs> sam rockwell and yeah, so, for that reason, they can afford it being quite a low budget. Yeah, I think so. The first time I watched this, I think is a similar time as you, where it's like getting into college, starting to get into film. Yeah, and I was quite big into just picking up DVDs from either the charity shop or the local CEX, and I think I got it from CEX. I think, and at the time, I think I was watching it, convincing myself that I liked it because you know it's. It's a sci-fi, it's Sam Rockwell, it's Duncan Jones, who was like, I was a big Bowie fan, so it's like, oh, this is so cool that his son's a filmmaker, and obviously I'm not, they're two separate people, but I just, yeah, I have yeah. that in my, I mean, we're in the room right now, there's a Bowie painting right up here, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> just to like clarify yeah. why, what, like, why that's staying in my head, but like, yeah, I watched it at the time, and I think I was just convincing myself I liked it. And then I didn't watch it for ages, and then I watched it for the podcast. And I realised that, to be honest, both times I've watched it, I'm just indifferent to it. I'm not too blown away. But the thing that makes the film enjoyable for me is that, like, I mean, I'm sure you're the same, is that we both really just are big fans of Sam Rockwell as an actor. I Yeah, I love Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I, I really do. I think he's he, got the... Yeah. Sam Rockwell's got the... Sam Rockwell and the Keith David quality, which yeah. is just... 
charisma where it's like, oh, That's when they the show thing. up, yeah. it's like, hey, it's them. And we've got a whole film of that now instead of yeah. Sam Rockwell as a side character. I think, so, yeah, because there are... double the Sam Rockwell. There are a so. number of things I like about this film, and what, the main one is Sam Rockwell, I think, because right. he is, I think, probably maybe one of my favourite actors working today. Yeah. Not necessarily because he's, like, necessarily the best and most diverse actor working today, but just because... Like you said, in every performance he does, there's a sense of like unbridled joy right. with every role he does. Like no matter if he's doing a bad film or a good film, yeah. he always looks like he's just having so much fun with it, and that's like the best quality for an actor to have. Yeah. I think to just you can tell that he clearly loves the craft, and it's just yeah. always fun watching one. Because in this film, like it's quite a sad and dramatic film mm. at times, but he does he does hit a really good balance between like levity and pathos really well. I think like he brings a lot of seriousness to the role and like sadness and weight to it whilst also like cracking jokes yeah. occasionally. Like he, he's, he does a really good job, I think in this film. What would you say are the, the two different qualities in, in both Sam Rockwell clones? Cause I remember one of them's a bit more outgoing, like wearing sunglasses a lot and it's very chill. <laughs> I think, and then what, what, because it's very yeah. difficult. So when watching this for the second time, the film deliberately like makes you think which one is the the real Sam Rockwell that went through the situation. Yeah. And it's it. I don't know how do I word this. Like, <laughs> I know what you mean because this is one of the things. This is another thing I really like about the film and how it frames its main characters. Right. Because usually in a film you'll have a protagonist and you focus your energy and attention on that protagonist and thinking right this is who I'm focused on, this is who I want to succeed for whatever reason that is. If, whether they're likable or not likable, this is who I'm focused on. Mm. Whereas in this film, you're given two protagonists who are, you know, literally identical in that they're both the yeah. same character, both played by Sam Rockwell, and they're both very much in the same situation, you know, they're right. both clones grappling with their own sense of self and, like, who they are. Yeah. And as an audience, I, I found this, I don't know if you found this, like, I wasn't sure who to kind of yeah. warm to more. Right. And I found that really fascinating because I had a similar thing when speaking of low budget sci-fi when we watched when i watched coherence for mm. the first time that's a film that deals with like different versions of different yeah. people and you're thinking should i be sympathizing with these yeah, people yeah. they've got red glow sticks <laughs> are they evil but they're not evil they're just in a different place and yeah. it's kind of like with this as well like who cuz the two sam rockwell clones are kind of up against each other aren't they 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 have there's like a disparity between them like you know, they disagree with each other on who's the clone and, like, if there are other clones. Because I think, like you said, one's a bit more laid back. One's, like, and nearing more the... outgoing and... Yeah. yeah, one's nearing the end of his three-year contract, so he's kind of, like, decaying a little bit and, you know, yeah. kind of more relaxed. Like, hey, who cares? And the other one's a little bit more uptight and in denial about, like, no, I am the, you know, I am the original Sam Rockwell. I am the <laughs> original man. And it's kind of interesting watching them those two play off each other and you're not sure who to side with at right. least that's what i found yeah. and i really like that as like a narrative framing device in the film mm. i found it really cool i um like i enjoy it i like sam rockwell i enjoy sam rockwell in it and i'm sure there is some sort of deep philosophy to the film because everywhere everything online says there is mm. but i don't i i just i just it doesn't resonate with me and i don't really get it <laughs> that's fair what what would you say are like the big like so I the character's the, like main the turmoil philosophical in it. Yeah. question. So I, I wrote <laughs> no two, pressure. I wrote <laughs> like, two down. Like I'm, okay. I'm sure there's probably elements of this film that I'm missing because I, I think when we watched it together, we we watched it in a very relaxed setting. Like we weren't fully <laughs> like f 
maybe not fully, That's but we were like, you know, yeah. chatting and kind of relaxing and watching it and just letting yeah. it unfold. But I think like the two, two of the philosophical questions that I picked up on in the film, like the themes it was dealing with is like the sort of one within the story of like, oh, is it moral to kill clones and to, you know, because the whole thing is like, he's, again, I'm trying not to spoil mm, this, right. trying to skirt around any major spoilers, but the whole thing is, is, you know, he's being cloned because he died in that, well, not died, but like he was severely injured in the crash to begin with. So they made another clone of him and you ask yourself, oh, is that moral to make essentially disposable clones of human right. beings to save what's that a comment on type thing exactly is <laughs> yeah. it like is it practical is it morally correct yeah. Yeah. is it not morally correct like who benefits who doesn't right. blah, blah blah and i guess the other philosophical thing i picked up on in this film is the sense because they hint at this in a number of scenes nearer the end of um sam rockwell figuring out um i'm trying to figure out how to word this because he he's so he, because the, there's two Sam Rockwells, one is nearing the end of his life mm -hmm. and one is kind of, he's got a lot of life ahead of him because he's a fresh clone. Very sp and the one, sprightly, is that the word? Sprightly? Is sprightly a word? I don't know. <laughs> like, full of energy. Full of energy, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. And the one that's nearing the end of his life, because they, they, they've realised that someone is going to come to this moon base and kill one of them because mm. they, you can't have two clones at yeah. the same time. So they they got to figure out they got to escape yeah. and the Sam Rockwell clone that's decaying and slowly dying realizes oh I could escape and be with my wife or whatever but um, I'm not going to live for much longer so how about you other clone who has a lot more life why don't you escape instead of me and it sort of brings up the question of although he as the more aging clone won't experience that happiness for himself he knows that a version of himself is experiencing that happiness somewhere else. So it's kind of a question of like, what is happiness? Is it yeah. something that you experience yourself <laughs> or is it the comfort in knowing that a version of you somewhere is experiencing that happiness somewhere else? And I, that's kind of, that's a philosophical point I picked up on. Cause there's yeah, another- Like it's, it, yeah. it's enjoyable in that sense, but I just think the film on a surface level just isn't, even though I've seen it twice and we're like talking about it now and going yeah. further into it. It's just, it's when you bring those ideas up to me that I get excited by the films. like. What, I think what it's yeah. proposing, but when I'm watching it, I'm just like, this is cool. Like, like, I, I think like, I've had a similar reaction. Like, it's not the most exciting film to watch. I think there are a lot of quiet moments, a lot of slow moments. It's a, it's definitely a film I liked more on like introspection and reflection. Sure. I think rather than necessarily in the moment, because like I said, we were talking a bit while watching it, <laughs> and it's not like a sort of. You, you know, like like I said, it, it's quite a, a slowish moving film. It's very it's very well paced. I've wrote this down in my notes. Like it's very well paced, very contained and focused uh, yeah. film. Do, do you think it uses its budget well? I think it's a, what, I think a it, five million. Yeah, I think it uses its five budget. million budget dollar budget. I think it uses its budget very well. Like it knows when to use the CGI scenes of the outside of the surface of the moon while also maintaining that focus inside the space station yeah. of like you know focusing on these characters and the set design and. Mm. No, I th I think it uses its budget. I think well, if well, I'm yeah. if I'm correct, Duncan Jones did a lot of commercials where using miniatures and CGI, and that's what helped him figure out this film. Oh, okay. Because originally, he was writing Mute, which was quite big at the time, yeah. like is in in scale, and he met Sam Rockwell for Mute. He wanted him in Mute, and um, Sam Rockwell was unsure about it. And then, but he still wanted to work with Duncan Jones, so 
Duncan Jones wrote Moon for Sam Rockwell. The character is literally called Sam. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and he is. Sam Bell, I yeah. think his name is. And basically, like, wrote it around the actor. Yeah. Um, what was I going with my point? Uh, <laughs> you, you, you were talking about the budget to begin with. Yeah, like, yeah, whether yeah. it uses its so, budget like, well. He's, like, clearly, like, like, it's... He's using his resources well, I think. And, it, like, he's, you know, thinking about, like, the set... And the actor, and that's merely yeah. it. Yeah. Like, th- there are other actors in this, but they're used very scarcely, or they're, like, either yeah. just a like voice monitors or... or yeah. 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 Um, which, side note, uh, so the two actors that are on a monitor are Benedict Wong and Matthew Berry. Yeah. Matthew Berry has the same issue as, funnily enough, another IT crowd co-star, Richard Iwadi, where their voices are in escape. Like, they... They've got very distinct and yeah. recognisable voices. So I, I'd and, struggle uh, to take them seriously outside yeah. of... Because it... <laughs> yeah. Like, I just got... I just think, oh, it's Matthew Berry. That's like, I, I got that when we watched... Well, when I watched Bronson, and I was like, oh, it's super hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you had the opposite, because you saw Bronson right, right, before right. Peep Show, but that's... I kind of, I have that sometimes, where it's like, oh, this this actor who's, you know, I only know from this. It, yeah. It's weird. I understand that, yeah. But also... Uh, so a little kind of fitting thing with episode sixteen, Benedict Wong on the on the desk on the monitor was obviously in Sunshine. I yes. think these films you could <laughs> I just not only because it's Sunshine, Sun and Moon, but like <laughs> you could double bill them because they're quite well, they're both sci-fi's, but like they're both speaking about like human nature and what does it mean when we're faced with this big yeah. threat conflict type yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, that you could definitely draw similarities between yeah. the two. I think Moon is a lot better. Similar in score as well. Yeah, I was, this was my note. I, I yeah. forgot to mention this. One of the other things I really like about this film is the score. It's a very simple piano motif yeah. that just goes throughout the film. And it's, yeah. it's just really nice. I, I like it a lot. Like, I wonder who did the score, actually, because I know... that John Adagio... I can't pronounce the guy's name. Oh, Music by... Oh, Clint Mansell. Yeah, Clint Mansell, who did uh, Requiem for a Dream, among other um, stuff. Yeah. But, um, the, yeah, the the composer who did Sunshine, that's... Uh, that they, they just... They seem like similar similar vibes. I've kind of forgotten the score of Sunshine, okay. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I sound like I really don't know what I, I'm Oh, no, no, today. I do remember it. I do remember it. It's... Um, they both... Just they like, both rely strongly on pianos, yeah. I remember. Okay. And, like, this sort of like somberness yeah. to them I guess um yeah no I yeah I, I I prefer moon I think I you know I talked about sunshine in the previous episode but yeah. not the previous one the Danny Boyle one but yeah. like how I think it goes a bit off the wall at the end whereas I think moon is just really well structured and well realized throughout its entire runtime like I think the pacing in this film is really strong I think like the way surprise events unfold in each moment of the film is really good and like each moment unfolds at exactly the right moment like the conflict mm. lasts as long as it should like the tension builds up really well Drive i just think it's well. really oh sorry <laughs> um yeah i'm just yeah. looking through my notes i, I, I got a question else. for you go on what do you think of the character or device of gertie played by kevin spacey um yeah i th- i think it's a kind of necessary character because it kind of it so it kind of harkens back to the whole hal 9000 thing right. 2001 a space odyssey and it's a good means for natural seeming exposition in right. the film i guess isn't it because if it was literally just sam rockwell on his own 
it would be a bit contrived him just like talking to himself being like oh it's my it's three years blah 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 i'm here on the moon base and it would be a bit (laughs) contrived it's like in the film lock with tom hardy like i love that film but some of the scenes where because that's just him in a car it's just him and like there are scenes where he there are like flashbacks of his dad or something and he's talking to himself and those scenes seemed a little bit contrived right and i think you do I think where Moon succeeds is it has that other, the AI character to kind of yeah. be a means so, of yeah. communication and, like, character dynamic and, like, you know. Yeah. So Ger- Gertie is basically his, like, robot partner who, you know, cuts his hair, feeds him. Yeah. Is, like, but, like, he's mysterious in that we don't exactly, know his yeah. intentions. But I think, me personally, I don't find... Gertie threatening because it's literally just a TV <laughs> with an emoji on it. Yeah. And it, it there's so many serious moments in this film that are ruined by just like <laughs> the character pulling a squiggly face, you know? I remember, like, so when I first saw this film back in whenever it was 2016 or whatever, that put me off a bit because right. I, I do remember watching like How 9000 and how it was just this red dot yeah. and how like brilliant and menacing that is and how simple it is. And then, like you said, with, with Gertie, it's like they use emojis for his character. And I, I was remember watching it feeling a bit off yeah. about all that because it, it seemed a bit silly. And I think on rewatch, I, I do agree that it's, yeah, it, it's not for me. Also, I think some out, people probably like yeah. it, but I, I, it's not. Outside of, you know, our knowledge of Kevin Spacey now, of being a dodgy person. Yeah. Um, the voice acting on his end is just... Shit. It says here on IMDb that he, he loved it and he recorded his lines in half a day. It sounds like it. It's just Kevin Spacey. It's, it's it just does him his being, job. being like deadpan. Like, like I, I kind of liked it. Like putting aside who Kevin no, yeah, Spacey I'm just is saying as strictly a person. As yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Within the film. Within, type thing. But within the film, I liked it because I think he has a sort of naturally menacing sounding voice that I is. find it menacing. <laughs> I don't know, like, for it's me... for me, like it, half asleep, like... <laughs> for me, it worked, I think, because it has that sort of... It sounds... Again, it's like, I keep mentioning HAL 9000, right. how it's sort of calm and soothing, but it has the sort of sinister undertone, and I think... Are you liking it because of how the HAL 9000 influence? Um, I think... Even if... I don't know if that was the intention. It seems like it was, but... It, it almost certainly was, but that's not <laughs> the only reason I like okay. it. I think I'd... Maybe it's less about the voice acting and more about how his character relates to Sam Rockwell's character because I think the presence of Gertie another reason why Gertie works as a character I think is because um because like you said he's very mysterious we don't know what he's thinking we don't know you know he's kind of like there's a wall against him like we don't know what he knows and that having that kind of puts more emphasis on how the audience is meant to sympathize with Sam Rockwell because we're very much in his shoes we're learning things at the same rate as Sam Rockwell is learning things, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So having that other character who knows a little bit more than us, I think adds this sort of threatening, mysterious aura to the film. And yeah. I, I liked it. I, I think right. it works. I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to just figure out my indifference to it. Oh, like, are you still recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, my phone turned off and my notes closed. <laughs> it's fine. Like, again, like, I, I wasn't excited watching right. this film, but it is a film I think about and think, no, that... That was good. I I did like that. It's just a really solid, well made, okay. low budget sci fi. Like it's why why should people watch it? Um. Well, okay. If they if they are interested in low low budget sci fi, uh, because it's a staple one. Because it uses its um premise really well to both fit 
the low budget and to create a very focused story, I think, as well. I think reasons to watch this are for Sam Rockwell's performance, right. um, for the sort of deeper themes of, like, consciousness and, like I said before, about, you know, finding happiness, not me- necessarily within yourself, but, like, in a version of yourself somewhere else experiencing happiness. I think that's a theme I picked up on. I don't know if right. anyone else would agree with that, but that's, oh, no, that's I, like a theme I picked up on yeah. the film. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think this film has a lot to offer. It's, it tells, uh, like I said, a, a well-told and constantly intriguing story that un- unfolds at a very good rate. Um, I think the film looks nice. I think the, you know, the, the design element of it is good. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really solid, sci-fi film that uses its low budget very effectively and you know is a good film (laughs) so i found something that fits what we were talking about earlier it's in regards to gertie and gertie versus how 9000 from 2001 space obviously yeah so there's imdb trivia says that the film makes several references to 2001 as space odyssey gertie looks and sounds similar to how 9000 they also have a similar dot how's is red and gertie's is blue and it says the film choreographs scenes in space to classical music just as kubrick did how does this compare to 2001 matt i haven't seen 2001 have you not i've seen You've the first seen i've seen the beginning which felt like a film in and of itself and then just i wasn't in the it's, mood for it's it that day. it's been a while <laughs> since i've seen it and like there's a lot to unpack with that film and i i don't think i can give an intelligent or concise or articulate review of 2001 no no, no i'm saying in, right like, now but like in not in comparison to moon but how do you think moon uses its influence uh, its influences of 2001 um i think from just gertie and how like i think just the general like the character dynamic between them is is where it it gains its influence from 2001 that sort of unsettling atmosphere and the sort of sense of how you know you don't know what's going to happen next and it's all a bit mysterious and there's a sort of coldness to both films i think like with 2001 a space odyssey it's a very sort of cold film that doesn't necessarily draw you into its warm characters but kind of you watch it at arm's length to appreciate the kind of the visual beauty of it and to just kind of you know just sit back and take it in and I think Moon has elements of that as well because I said like it's a very kind of you know there are moments of slowness and quietness in Moon where you just kind of um I I don't I can't find my words today. <laughs> no, no, you're doing better than me, honestly. Like, I, I um, feel like I really... Like, it is definitely a film that, um, you know, the two you can definitely draw comparisons between in terms of, like, yeah, they're both... Um, space. Uh, <laughs> both space. Both films about space. Both films about a, <laughs> human, a human protagonist kind of um, struggling against a robotic AI character. Mm. And how there is a sort of unsettling tone right. with both films. I think they are very much different beasts, though, aren't right. they? The, yeah. the two films and definitely. Yeah, I just, like I, just I, I, that I wish would I be could. A challenging question. And it... yeah, like I've, I feel like I've expressed a lot of thoughts here, but I, I'm not making them concise and articulate enough. I'm, like, th- I'm very sorry, listeners. For some reason, uh, neighbors outside or someone outside has just started to do a bit of soaring. So if you hear any whirring, it's stopped now, just as I talk about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, 
Um, I, I'm really sorry. I don't have too much to say about Moon because I'm, I'm just very... Oh, there it is right now. I, I don't know if it, it picks yeah. up on the mic. But... I, I doubt um... it. I doubt it. <laughs> it's just... It doesn't blow me away. I can hear it. <laughs> I, yeah, it does. Okay, here's something to mention. So, I was talking about Mute earlier. So, that was the film he wanted to make. So, Sam, not Sam Rockwell, Duncan Jones has done uh, Moon, Source Code, Warcraft, and Mute. And Mute is a film that is in the same universe as Moon. And Sam Rockwell uh, makes little cameos, a little cameo in, in Mute. Um, and all I'm going to say is uh, Mute shouldn't have been made. I haven't that's, seen it, but I've heard it terrible things about it. It shouldn't be in the same it. universe. I've, I've heard not good things about like, Mute. Moon is actually good. I'm just yeah. very... It, Mute, Moon just doesn't blow me away. It's a yeah. good film. It, it, like, it's, if you like Sam Rockwell, it's a fun film to watch, but like, I just, I'm not blown away about it. But Mute is just like offensively bad. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he did Source Code. Yeah. That's cool. Have you seen Source Code? Yeah, yeah. ages ago. I, I think it's his best film. I haven't seen yeah. Warcraft, but it's got mixed He directed reviews. Source Code. Or yeah. he just... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's doing. He hasn't done anything. I, I haven't seen ages. Source Code in years. I, need, I probably need to re-watch that. It's, I think it's his best film, I'd yeah. say. A lot of people seem to really like it. Like, it got very, very good reviews. Yeah. And arguably better than Moon. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's all we've really got to say. Yeah, about. just to summarise yeah. the film, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would recommend Moon it's, because it's I think... It's a episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I think my closing thoughts on Moon to recommend it to audiences mm-hmm. is that it's a very good example of how to make an effective low-budget sci-fi film right. by using uh, one location and a very focused and well-paced narrative that also encourages the audience to look at deeper themes of self-consciousness and, mm. and um, the idea of, you know, finding happiness. Like, I've said this before already, but, like... Um, finding happiness not for yourself, but as like a different version of yourself out there. That's right. the whole sort of moral dilemma with them being clones. And yeah, I think it's a film you can enjoy on a surface level for Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. maybe Kevin Spacey, and <laughs> maybe voice. not his voice. Yeah, I'm and the, the general look of the up. film and the music and the the yeah. narrative. And I think yeah, it's a film that you you can sit with as well and just and think about. As well, well, in terms of those deeper themes. Um, Sorry, I just quickly closed the curtains for the (laughs) the little noises outside. But it's funny how you mentioned self-consciousness, right? And the thoughts of self-consciousness. Because thoughts, in general, right? You'd say they are endless. And that's our next film today, (laughs) is The Endless. (laughs) What have you got for us, Matthias? My my synopsis. Uh... (laughs) How's that? Segway, one to ten. My, I, it gave me whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> My synopsis for The Endless that I wrote. Uh, two brothers receive a cryptic video message from a UFO death cult they had previously escaped from ten years prior and are encouraged to revisit it. Once they arrive, it transpires that some mysterious entity is affecting the passage of time around the cult, which causes disparity between the two brothers and forces them to search for the truth. Intense. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and then Google says, yeah, it's two kind brothers of, receive a yeah. cryptic video message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it differs a bit from the one I wrote. Uh, okay. Should we, is it worth saying? Two brothers receive a cryptic video message inspiring them 
to revisit the UFO death cult they escaped a decade earlier, hoping to find the closure that they couldn't find as young men. They're forced to reconsider the cultures, the cult's beliefs when confronted with unexplainable phenomena surrounding the camp. As the members prepare for the coming of a mysterious event, the brothers race to unravel the seemingly impossible truth before their lives become permanently entangled with the cult. Did you have a synopsis? Okay. <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you okay? No. Uh, oh, dear me. So, it's, um... Yeah, so, um... I'll ask you a similar question as to what I asked you with Moon. If you guys haven't caught on to the fact yet, um, I'm the Simon Mayo to, to Matt's <laughs> Kermode today. Um... No, we're both commode, or both mayo. How did you first get introduced to this film or the filmmakers, which are Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead? So, I think the first time I was introduced to Benson and Moorhead was when I went to the London Film Festival in, I think it was October of 2019. Wow, and seems like a decade ago. We saw... <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. It seems like ages ago. And they were showing Synchronic, which mm. was a film I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of these filmmakers. Uh, we watched Synchronic. I was a bit... I had mixed feelings towards it, but that's for another episode. Mm. <laughs> and I remember... Because you, you know quite a lot about Benson and Moorhead, right. I think. Quite a lot more than I do. And after watching Synchronic, which I had mixed feelings towards, you were like, oh, you should check out The Endless, because it's one of their strongest films. Yeah. And I guess a year and a half later I did. Because <laughs> this is a film I only watched for the first time very recently. I actually watched it... With the family, right? I watched it with... Because my mum and dad watched it without me first. Okay. And they weren't big fans of it at all. And then I watched it with my mum. On the night of the Oscars, actually, this oh. year, uh, funnily enough. I watched it with my mum and... Yeah, on first watch, I wasn't a big fan of it for various reasons. I thought it was quite chaotic and a bit rushed, and I wasn't we'll, a fan of we'll, some of the dialogue. We'll further get into that. But, um, and then I watched it for a second time, and... Crazy. <laughs> I watched it for a second time more recently, and I liked it a little bit more than I did on my first watch, but I still right. didn't quite love it. Like, that, I've... From, 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 yeah. from what you've... So you've seen Synchronic. I hope it doesn't catch us pressing on our phones, by the way. I just, I was worried about that earlier. Anyway. I think it's fine. A little, little bit of technical stuff. Uh, <laughs> not really technical. Um, from the films you have seen, uh, which is Synchronic and this one, The Endless, how would you describe uh, Benson and Moorhead as filmmakers? Like, what qualities would you say they have? I think, um, like, I'm very impressed and inspired by what they've been able to achieve because both of these films are on very low budgets, right. like, super this low is budgets. This lower, right? Like, because I think, so Moon was about five million, yeah. right? What's the budget of this film? That's what I've been trying to find. It, it's, okay. It's, I've got, I found the box office for it, but I don't... Actually, let me... Uh, but in general, this is... They're very low-budget filmmakers. A lot of the stuff in this film is to keep the budget down. Yeah. Um stalling 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 <laughs> but i think um like going back we can find the uh, yeah the cost of the film but basically what i think is that i think they are very admirable directors i, I like right. what they're able to achieve on a very low budget but because that the two films i've seen of theirs both have very sort of out there premises because they're both sci-fis with these very sort of surreal and mm. you know high concept not high concept but sort of out there concepts right. and 
it's impressive seeing what they can achieve visually and with sound on a low budget by using smart directorial choices, you know, and, but, uh, and aside, and they're good at creating a sort of eerie atmosphere in their films, I think both through the look of their films and like the way they craft the worlds of their films as well. But also, also I think in terms of writing, their two films I've seen of theirs, The Endless and Synchronic, do kind of feel a bit like first drafts of a script, okay. in my opinion. <laughs> like, especially Synchronic, actually. I think The Endless is a bit better, but they both right. seem like sort of not quite there yet okay. films, in my opinion. Like, not quite... Because, like, with Moon, that feels like a complete film, in my opinion. It feels okay. like it's gone through a number of drafts. They've done exactly what they needed to do. It feels like it has all the events kind of tie into each other really nicely and neatly. Right. And it feels very cohesive. Whereas with this, it felt a bit loose around the edges, right. in my opinion. Like, I've got, I've written a bunch of notes about, like, stuff yeah. I liked, stuff so, I didn't like, but, yeah. We couldn't find the budget, but, like, <laughs> in general, not only because of a previous film, but um, just, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are the main actors in this film. And uh, supposedly one of, one of the reasons for that was to keep the budget down, but then also... They use the song "House of the Rising Sun" because the lyrics are in the public domain, so it's like they and they're doing a lot of things throughout this film, a lot of little like low budget trickery to stay within it. Yeah. Uh, so, such as like there's a lot of compositing going on of like props to look bigger than they are type thing, um, and in general, I think it's this film is an interesting one in terms of criticism because you can't really criticize it in in the long term of, like, every sci-fi ever, right? You have to, like, big sci-fi, like... you, you, you No, yeah, you have to... You have to criticise it to the level of its budget, I feel No, like. it, yeah, I, exactly. You can't compare it to something that had a lot more money than right. it. But I've seen films with lower budgets than this that I've preferred to this, I think. So, so it's, it's, like, fun, it's funny you mentioned Coherence, because like, yeah. we talked about it on that episode uh, when we talked about Coherence, is that The Endless and Coherence have a very similar... Uh, feel not only because of the budget but because of the storylines about time and other versions yeah. of people I um, yeah I think coherence does it a lot better like I think when we mention like what is the sort of fundamental low budget sci-fi for me it's coherence like okay. I think it does a lot more with a lot less I think its story is a lot more tightly written and well paced and I think right. it uses its premise in a more compelling and intriguing way than the endless does um mm. But again, I don't want to go too much into no, coherence because no, it's a tangent. Right. No, it's but just like, for a frame of reference for people yeah. who may have seen that one or have listened to that episode. Yeah. In general, I just want to establish for any listeners here, I do have a tiny bit of bias as uh, I got to the meet them. You and, did, yeah. And in general, <laughs> I'm just like, I, 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 I'm now following them a bit more intently yeah. now Like the, in, in regards to their work. like I'm very excited for them as filmmakers. I um, am as well. I, I'm looking forward to what they do next. Right. I, yeah. I think... If we're going off of coherence versus the endless, or not versus, but just those two in general, they're very good at they're very good films at portraying, like giving off the idea that you just because you're a low budget sci fi, you don't have to be small in terms of your idea or like scope. Exactly, it yeah. does a lot with very little. Yeah, it's it's very both of those films. I think like although I I said I prefer coherence, I right. think both films are inspiring to young filmmakers yeah, and both very you know, they, they kind of set out, like, you know, what is actually possible. And it's always right. nice to see filmmakers do that, especially as, you know, young, aspiring filmmakers. Yeah. But yeah, just going through um, 
like my experience with this right, film. Yeah. So like there there are some things that I liked about it on both watches, so both mm-hmm. times I saw it. So I think the concept of it is really solid and intriguing. I think the whole sort of death cult aspect of it is introduced really well and set up really well. And it, you know, it keeps me thinking, oh God, what's going to happen next? This is a bit mysterious. Uh, like they, sp- they, they make you, they, they, had, they do a good job of like, so basically Aaron, uh, they have the same names because we'll get into it later. It is mm. a, in the same universe or sequel or prequel. I'd, it's in the same universe as their first film, Resolution, which they did a brief cameo in. So they had to keep the same names. Um, but yeah, Aaron is living a normal life with his brother now, like, or trying to, and is very, like, uh, disheartened by it, does not like living a normal life. He finds it very mundane, and, like, he's not a fan of just eating ramen every day and trying to find jobs and everything. So they do a very good job of making the cult look very inviting, so that you as the mm. viewer are, are not just going, why the fuck would you go back? Like, Yeah, yeah, no, the, <laughs> um, yeah. Like what? What did you think of that aspect in in regards to the introduction of the cult and how and the actors within the cult and and how that that plot point that one of Aaron was portrayed? Yeah, no, I I think I agree with you. Like, like it's it's done questions. very well. <laughs> but, um, I'll try and answer them all. But <laughs> yeah, I agree because at the very very beginning of this film, you're introduced to this cult and you think it's going to be this sort of mad yeah kind of death it's a death cult right. well what's Heaven's gonna happen game. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they show up to it and although it is a bit creepy like some of the characters are a bit ooh, yeah. you you do get a sense <laughs> of like you said ooh. <laughs> you get a sense of um kind of warmth within them like oh okay i can let my guard down a little bit but not too much and i like that about this because i said this before so another thing i enjoyed about this film both on both times i watched it were that the directors are good at creating a sort of eerie sense of atmosphere, I think, with how they craft characters and, like, shots. And, right. you know, it's very good. I think, and also, one other thing that I liked on both watches was uh, Tate Ellington's performance. He's, like, the cult, quote, leader. Because they say in the film there isn't a leader, right. but yeah. he's kind of the... How does he describe himself? He's, like, he's the one who talks the most. Yeah. So he's seen as the leader. Yeah. And I just, I think his performance in this is probably my favourite performance in the film. I think he's just, I think he's really good. I think he's, in regards to the, the cult members, he's the one that uh, does the best job at, as, so basically they've, they're all way older than um, Justin and Aaron because they raised Justin and Aaron. Yeah. And then when you see them, they look like the same age as Justin yeah, and Aaron. Yeah. And it's implied that they just eat healthily and that they just, they just don't age because of this cult. Yeah. And most of them, most of the cult members, they just seem like young actors trying to be old. Whether it's Tate Ellington, I don't know. It, his character feels more lived in, I feel I like. get that. There's a sense of, like, something behind the eyes, or, yeah, I think. Yeah. Like, there's a sort of... You get the sense that he's experienced more, I think. And there's, you know, something behind the curtain that we can't quite, can't quite see. And I think, uh, as an actor, he delivers that really well. Like, he sort of treads the line between creepy and inviting really well. Yeah. Which definitely. is kind of representative of the entire cult. Like, it's meant to be inviting... But also a bit like, oh, should I be here? Should yeah. I not be here? Yeah. So yeah, those are the things I enjoyed about the film. And also, um, yeah, on my first watch, I wasn't a big fan of like the little moments of humor. Like there's a little, like, was, little yeah, back and forth dialogue moments. It's or like it's fine. I think it's it's not like ha ha funny, but it's a nice little way of it's like a little telling way of showing the the characters' dynamic. Like the two brothers have these little moments where they riff. 
at each other and it's a nice way to show their dynamic and I think they've got good chemistry together. They do, yeah. You can I, tell that like Yeah. I think them being friends in real life added has added to the chemistry. Oh, I absolutely. Think they, they have they have good chemistry. Yeah, I think yeah, on, on first watch I wasn't a big fan of like the moments of humor, but on second watch I did warm to it more yeah. and Another thing I warmed to more was the ending of this film. I won't reveal what it is, right. but I, um, I like how in general it's yeah. a theme with their other ones that they try and have they try and attempt a happy ending as much as possible. Yeah, and which is quite rare. I feel like in like horror sci-fi or whatever, and it's just a refreshing thing to be like, oh, yeah. that, they might actually be right. Like, it just, <laughs> yeah, my my problem with it was it seemed a bit rushed. I remember um, yeah. on my first watch, it seemed very much like, oh, slow, I got, slow I got plotting, on, slow plotting, boom, ending. I, I got that on recent watch, but <laughs> and I, then, it's a yeah. difficult one because it's like limited budget. So I I'm think, like, well, I mean, it doesn't take any yeah. budget to write a good script, does it? So, <laughs> sorry. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean sorry. No, yeah, That's yeah. a really aggressive way of saying that. But like, I don't think it was a budget thing. I think okay. it was like a, a screenplay thing. But right. um. I, I I prefer the ending a bit more on my second watch because although it still feels a little bit rushed, reflecting back on it, there is kind of there's enough emotional build up to that very quick ending right. that I was able to forgive it. I think. Like, what what are your thoughts on, on the it? ending? Yeah, without giving too much away, like you you like well, you, like you well, like, like the said, sense oh, that it's happy. So. Yeah, I just yeah. it's just more a bit more refreshing. Yeah, um, yeah. The the I've seen this either three or four times. Uh, but um, recent, on the most recent watch, the ending did feel a bit, uh, not tacked on, but just quicker than expected. But yeah. then I also, at the same time, like, well, there wasn't anything else for me to, I like, I think it reached a natural ending in the sense of, like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't really need any more, like, yeah. what else more could happen from, from that point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as vague as that sounds. And it seems like a good <laughs> conclusion to the brothers' dynamic, I yeah. think. Because like I said, I really like their dynamic in this. Not just because the actors themselves have chemistry, but just because of the way the dynamic between them is written. Like, one's meant to be sort of more sceptical and, you know, a bit more standoffish about the death cult, whereas one is a bit more starry-eyed and a yeah. bit more like he wants to be involved in the cult. And it's good seeing them play off each other and sort of having this... Disparity oh, between. Tell you them. something. I, I I'm, I'm like warming up. Oh, that's now. okay. Um, I something I liked on rewatch was because uh, I I don't don't I don't know why this didn't stick with me at first, but or, or I didn't why I didn't remember this at first. But when I, when I rewatched it, uh, I liked the theme of like the older brother, just their relationship and how he was being overprotective to Aaron to help him get out the cult. Yeah, because. Like a lot of the stuff that happened to them growing up was true, but it was it's found out that it was a bit more dressed up from yes. just, yeah. basically Justin's role as a brother and what what that entails and like the the lying and the i the idea of them having their own independence from each other yeah that's something I I liked a lot on rewatch because yeah I, it was just a theme I realized more yeah no and it ties <laughs> into like the well written dynamic between yeah. them I think of like. Yeah, what one is definitely the more sceptical and overprotective yeah. brother, and the other one seems more like a child almost but in it, his approach to the cult. It also yeah. fits in regards to us as audiences because, like, I think something like Midsummer, you may go like, "Oh, why are they there? Why are they still there?" Whereas, like in this one, the brother, like, not to compare, but to compare, uh, this one, the the brother is like asking those questions for us, like yeah. the, the older brother, Justin's, like. He, and then it also is is explaining like we're like we'll give you this one day because we need to we need you to see that you know real life is better than this cult, um and then more and more questions arise. I think it it basically does a a good job at 
as as using Justin as the audience. Yeah. In, in a way. Yeah. Even though there's like cards played close to their chest, if that makes any sense, mm. in regards to what's revealed later. Tip tip toe. Tip toe. Uh, <laughs> Don't um, reveal too much. <laughs> it's yeah. uh they've mentioned this uh previously um you don't have to watch their first film resolution which is the film that's in the same universe as this yeah because i still haven't seen it and i've seen leander i'm, twice I'm glad you don't have to because <laughs> yeah. like i had no idea until like way after yeah um basically resolution is a film about uh a drug, drug addict trying to get off uh drugs and his friend is trying to help him wean off of them at, in this cabin and then weird sci-fi situations arise and yeah. those characters are in this yeah this universe and it's not it's not like a like you have to know them type thing it's just uh, yeah because this this kind of ties into what my issues were okay. with the film because I've, I've i've mentioned the things i've liked about it both on first watch and rewatch and i think my main issue with this film is its sense of like pacing okay and the way events unfold like there are sort of Especially in the second half, there are sort of these long stretches that feel a bit overly long and, in my opinion, a little bit boring. Like these, like you mentioned, these characters who are introduced and then, like, because they're in this bubble, the mm-hmm. time bubble. Um, am I allowed to talk about this? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we, we can talk about the name. The name. So, The Endless is, like, referring to these different time bubbles that the characters may or may not be living in. Yeah. In, especially the cult. Yes. And that's how they meet the characters from Resolution. Yeah. Um, they meet them very briefly, but I think they're used quite... quite. What's the word? They use it the right amount, but yeah. this this revelation is revealed properly, probably like closer to the beginning of the third act. Yeah, it's introduced it's... very late into the film, so, I think. And that's kind of what put me off. Like, there's yeah. a lot of... Like, a, a lot of the... If I were to summarize it, I'd say like a lot of the scenes in this film don't feel like they're necessarily accelerating the plot forward as quickly and efficiently as it should be. And a lot of them are kind of just setting up more of this sort of mystery around right. this mysterious entity that's, you know, hovering over the yeah. cult. And it's cool. Like we again, it's a good sense of eerie atmosphere. But I just got a sense that like we weren't moving forward as as efficiently as we should have been mm-hmm. with the film. And I, I kind of got a bit bored at times. Like when we met these characters from Resolution, I just, I don't know, it didn't quite grip me. And I thought, okay, we're, we're more than halfway through the film now. What What's going on? Right. <laughs> it just feels a bit kind of weird and a little bit disjointed in a way. Like it, there were some cool scenes, but the way they were sort of I think, yeah, tied together main, felt a bit yeah. loosey-goosey, the, the, the main, you know? The main thing is like... the one of the main things the film has got going for it is, is what you said is just its way of creating atmosphere and yeah. and scope with the budget it's got. Um, and then I completely forgot. But this is what I meant <laughs> earlier about saying like they're, yeah. they're clearly very talented filmmakers yeah. and they're good at making low budgets, but their films do kind of feel a bit like first drafts of a script in a way. Like they haven't quite figured out all the kinks oh. in like plotting and pacing and everything. And it just, I don't know. He said, this guy's not me. I still like you guys. No, I like, I, I like Benson and Moorhead a lot. I just, I don't not know. Not to throw you under the bus. <laughs> there are a lot of things I like about The Endless. It right. just, I don't know. It didn't feel like it tied itself all together as right. well as it should have done. Hmm. But I still like them a lot as filmmakers and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. Yeah. Um, what else did I write down in so my I notes? Think, so the first, first time I 
got introduced to it was... Do you, do you remember the Schmoes No? Sorry? Do you know who the Schmoes No are? No. Okay. They're, they're in the, the internet, like, YouTuber film critics in the same vein of, like, Jeremy Johns, Chris Stuckman. Oh, right. All that stuff. And he had a podcast and they were talking about like, the best films of that year and then, like, a randomer or, like, an intern of theirs was talking about The, the Endless. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I Googled it. And I was like, oh, this is... <laughs> this is cool. This is like, oh, what is what is this? And then it was like surprisingly on Netflix at the time, and I watched it, uh, the, around Christmas time with my brother, and we both really really liked it. Nice. And uh, uh, yeah, and then rewatched it. Uh, when did I rewatch? Like I rewatched it a while back, but I fell asleep, and then I rewatched it. This with is the a thing, right? So. <laughs> This has been a common theme with watching this film because both you and I and someone else have been watching this film and we've all kind of fallen asleep while watching it a little bit. I don't think it's to the bit. fault of the film. <laughs> well, may- not necessarily. Maybe a but tiny anyway, bit. But anyway, what I was, was going to say was and then the third time round I watched this uh, was when I was feeling those pacing issues in the middle. Yeah, they do. it does kind of drag a little bit and I felt like another look at the script could have sort of brought the film together I think a bit on more. the script too much. Why? It's important. Like, I, I think it's a good, like, I think it's a, a successful script in what it's trying to do, which is set yeah. up this atmosphere and is is you. I think you're mainly talking about the the reveal or intro of the conflict at a later time. Yes, like is that's is my it, main. Just that it's my main issue. So I think like, the sort of really, latter half of the film is kind of feels a bit disjointed. I so think. It, I, yeah. could you cut out the middle of the film and add that reveal? as the sec- second half of the film instead of a third... It's a two-hour run. It just feels like this whole... The the time bubble mm-hmm. thing feels like a very important thing mm-hmm. that could have been introduced earlier and kind of, right. you know, navigated around in a sort of a, a cleaner way, okay. I feel like. And I don't know. That's, nah, that's completely understandable. I'm yeah, just trying I'd... to think of a constructive way around it. Like, like what could... I don't know. Like, if the film... Not if the film was remade, but, like, just from them going forward. Um, but I don't have the answers to this. <laughs> I'm not sure I do as well. I'd have to think about it. Um, I don't I don't think it feels like a first draft. Yeah, maybe a second draft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of Benson and Moorhead as the actors? Because they also... I thought they were ...directed good. it, and then Benson wrote the script. I think one of them is the DP as well. So. I thought, yeah, I think... Um, Aaron Moorhead Aaron, Aaron Moorhead is, is the, the DP, DP yeah. then... I think they were good as actors I think like you said they have natural chemistry yeah. and they, they work well with each other and they play off each other really well and no they, they give good performances I think in the film um, I think the good moments of like creating an eerie atmosphere is like it's, there's not too I think there's a decent amount of CG um, yeah but there like is. It's the just the cool tricks of like playing with lighting in order to imply that there's a this mysterious entity out there, like the scene with the the rope where they're playing a game called yeah. the, the Struggle. Yes. So essentially, the cult are uh, playing this game called the Struggle, where they throw a rope out to this entity, and you got to see how much you can fight against it. And when you think about that, that's literally just someone on a ladder holding a rope, co- like like covered in in darkness. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and yet it works. But it, it still feels otherworldly, yeah. doesn't it? So they even it joke. I think they joke about that when they go, "Oh, it's just uh, happy, da- uh, happy Dave on a ladder, smiling Dave on a ladder," and then yeah. they cut back and smiling Dave is behind them, and it's like, "Oh, this is really <laughs> creepy." Or the bit where, uh, so J- Justin, who's the skeptical brother, the more standoffish brother, is getting, uh, he's hanging out with one of the cult members, and the cult member is learning. Everyone's got their own talent. And there's the guy who's learning the ma- doing magic tricks, and he's not just he does not care about these magic tricks. And then, to, it, it, as a form of intimidation, the guy's like, "Humor me, uh, like keep out your hand. I'm gonna throw, and then th- I'm gonna throw this ball up in the air, and then it just doesn't come down." And it's just right. I remember that being a really creepy moment. It was cool. <laughs> like I like that moment. Just very simple things in order to create this giant, uh, like uh, this, this looming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, yeah, no, it, it does it very well, I think. Um, uh, I wrote also in my notes, I wasn't sure how I felt about the sort of general look of the film. Like, this, the, is what, this is a low budget, that's the thing. Yeah, but... So that's why it's tricky to be, like... Because, like, you kind of need... Are you talking about the colour grade? Yeah. Right. You kind of need some of that colour grade in order to hide certain things, I feel like. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I remember on my first watch, I thought, oh, okay, this is just a kind of creepy, low-budget aesthetic that right. it has. But on rewatch, I was like, no, it just looks a bit kind of murky and brown a little bit. Right. And I don't know, it just it, a lot of the film looked quite dreary and overexposed, I thought, just mm. the, like, the, the way it looked. Are you talking about in the beginning, in, in the real-life bits, or just when... Just I, I can't remember specifically. Because, like, but... I understand in the beginning when it's real-life, because you could, you could argue that... Uh, the character of Aaron is... Yeah. That's how he sees real life. It's just, like, like I, boring... Yeah. Grey Monday I think thing. Even later on, though, it's all kind of just this very sort of brown... Right. ...sort of mm. look to it, very kind of greyish and... Right. You know, the very, like, harsh light is yeah. used, and it's... Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, I... I, I don't know how to talk about it, cause, like, in regards to... I don't, I don't know if I'm being defensive because I I like the filmmakers, or if it's, like... I want to say, I like the filmmakers as well. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I like, no, no, I'm saying as in, like, uh, I don't know if I'm being defensive because of, like, their position in the budget, or, like, because... It was definitely, it it seems like it was an artistic choice above anything else, and it's, you know, I I guess it just wasn't for me entirely. In general, I don't know how to critique colour grades, though. Like, I, I really struggle with... Just with films in general. Yeah, well, like, it's in my situation where I've had to direct, color, like, a colour grading session or anything, I couldn't tell you, like, that's a bad colour grade or something. I, mm. I wouldn't know how to do that. It's hard when you're making a film, right. I guess, because, you know, you, you, put every, you attach yourself to that film more and it's hard to look at it more objectively and take right. a step back. But with other films, I guess... It's a little bit easier. You can think, hmm, do I do I think this look works mm. for the film? Am I distracted by its use of colour? Does it, you know, am I feeling the emotion I'm meant to be feeling yeah. while watching this? Is the answer no? Is the answer yes? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Because I think when we are out of real life, like out of their routine and then going into the cult, it's, yeah, like a lot more brown, sepia, rustic feel. Yeah. Because they're in this, like, foresty cabin area so like i understand the use of it but i can also understand in your case where it may just like look a bit mm, boring <laughs> or, yeah i, I guess boring is um, a bit of a harsh word no, yeah, but just I, kind of i'm yeah. just trying to put myself in the position of it yeah. um yeah um 
What was I going to say? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hope you're still having a good time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I've had a brain blank. Complete brain blank. Uh, we can try and summarise this if you want. Uh, uh, have you got any more fun trivia for us about the Atlas? No. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't find any. Um, do, 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 do. So if we're going through... Mm, I don't know. What are you trying to look for? What, what are you looking for? I'm just for? trying to find something. To see what people are saying about it online. Ooh, find my review. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's been getting. It's got uh, it's good reviews. Yeah, it's it's, it's got very good reviews. People seem to like it a lot. Um, yeah, and I I still like it. Like if I was if I had to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, I'd give right. it a thumbs up. So what are your main elements that you want? the film to improve it like if the film was remade what would you want improved upon i just think i think maybe try for a different look that's a little bit less like I, again i don't want to like say oh if i were making this i would change mm. this because like it's its own film you know and if not I, if you were making this but yeah, yeah like i would not say what works and what doesn't <laughs> because that's what we've been doing yeah right. like i'm struggling to articulate my issues with it in terms of its pacing it just right. it I don't know how to fully describe I mean, I, it. Like, I agree with you with, on, on the most recent watch with the pacing. Right? Yeah. But it's like, do you, can you cut it in two and pop the first two acts together, uh, the, the first act and the third act together? Or, like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's probably a more complex problem yeah, solving than yeah. that. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I just, I get the, yeah, I don't know. I got the sense with other low budget sci-fi films that I've seen, like Moon and like Coherence, that they have a really great sense of forward momentum mm-hmm. and like, Every of each event sort of compounds into the next event, and the tension is constantly rising, and like the you know the way coherence uses its premise of like these other universes and other people, mm. those uni- other universes slowly get more and more chaotic, and we start to lose track of who's where and what's going on. Yeah, and it does that at a very sort of linear, constant pace, which I really like. And the same thing with Moon about how with the clones, like they figure out that they are clones of each other and how many clones are there? What should we do next? All of those seem to go bum, 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 like in a really well-structured way. Whereas I think with The Endless, it seems less like that. Like like the first half does focus on the sort of the relationship between the brothers. Should we trust the cult? Should we not trust the cult? And then I guess my issue with it is that the whole time loop bubble element that comes later on seems a tiny bit disconnected from that sort of disparity between them i don't know if it's too quick or just i don't know like because a lot of the second part of that film with the time loop bubbles is he's going one of the skeptical brother is going he's trying to find a gun or something for this other character and it seems a bit like he sent off on a like a little a little side quest to find his brother yeah yeah because the brother want the other aaron wants to stay yeah justin wants to leave yeah but like in order, you know, one of them would be in a situation where they'd have to stay there forever and all this other stuff. So, yeah, they are sent on this, like, side quest. And I guess maybe when a character goes on a quest, you feel like that should start at the end of the first act. Yeah, sort of like... Cause, cause, yeah. yeah, act one is like you establish who the characters are, where they are, what the sort of driving force of the narrative. Quite quickly. They go to the cult quite quickly, and a lot of the first half is them kind of being with the cult sort of you know uh, like the characters don't really change as so much in the first 
hour of the film, do they? Because it's right. like the skeptical brother remains skeptical. Right. The other brother remains unskeptical. And it's yeah. kind of, they play around with that for a lot of the film. And then he goes on this quest and it just feels a little bit stunted at times, I guess, in terms of its sort of momentum yeah. going forward. It's uh, an odd one because like every, ev- most, I mean, nine times out of 10, every film act has three acts in and of itself anyway. Yeah. Where there'll be like a mini... Uh, mini resolution within Act One, and then a climax of Act One, and all this other stuff. Yeah, so I need I, to I, pick up my screenwriting book again same. and have a read of that. But um, yeah, I, I I in general have a tough time being like, oh, this. I I in general I don't know how to be like, oh, this. Like, whenever there'll be times where we're talking about a film, and I'll, someone will tell me, oh, the script wasn't too good, and I just, I, I think I can take a great well-directed film with a semi-decent script more well like i'm not what's the word i'm not like i'm not like really disheartened by a script not reaching its full potential if that's if, fair enough if all the other ideas are presented well because this yeah. one this one is clearly like mainly about atmosphere and then may and then on a character level it's about the brother a brotherly yeah. relationship and it does that well i think the core relationship so this just to recap or give a refresh the script issues are the reveal just the, the pacing i think the of pacing, the film yes. in general if i so i i guess we can try and kind of summarize yeah, our yeah, thoughts sorry, I realize on this I'm film now in circles. i'm just trying to figure it out and yeah just trying to get a better understanding of it in general but, yeah. Um, yeah i i think um if I were to summarize my mm-hmm. thoughts on this, like there is a lot of things I like about this film and I do, I, I'm, you know, in awe and inspired by what these directors have achieved with both Synchronic and The Endless. And it's, you know, they've taken a very low budget and managed to execute a very high, um, you know, very out there concept in a very uh, successful way by using smart directorial choices. Right. And a good sense of characters with the endless. And I, I think the performances are good in this film. And I think that, yeah, the premise is really solid and set up really well, but I do think it could be a little bit sort of tighter around the edges. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, as an audience member, why should you go into this film? But you basically said it <laughs> with, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you in that. Yeah. There are elements that could be tighter. I think in general, if you want to just see these filmmakers like go on a like these these indie filmmakers like go on a little rise in quality, uh, check these guys out because that is what ha- that is that's what's happening now is like Synchronic was their highest budget I think and that was the one strictly after the Endless, um it's kind of they've just been gradually getting a more higher and higher I think the next thing they're doing now are just um. They're working on some of the episodes of Moon Knight, Marvel's Moon Knight. They're mm. not the sole direct creative directors on Moon Knight because it's the main director that's working on that. But I know they're doing an episode or two, and they recently did an episode of Jordan Peele's version of the Twilight Zone. Mm. So they're like staying within that that sci fi horror element, and I think Moon Knight is meant to have similar qualities. But I'm in general, if you guys want to keep a lookout on some like on the rise filmmakers, check this out. Um, I th- it, I thought it was on Netflix, but it w- it's no longer on Netflix. No, it's not. It's and, on Amazon. And yeah. you have it endlessly now. <laughs> yeah, because I figured out on Amazon there isn't an option to rent it. You can only buy it for two ninety nine on Amazon. 
But you can rent it on YouTube. But you can rent it on YouTube <laughs> for... Two, three pounds. Two, three pounds. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to keep it forever, buy it on Amazon. <laughs> get it for three pounds. If you just want to rent it, uh, yeah, you can if, rent it on YouTube. If for you guys want amount. to see some like inspiring low-budget sci-fi and how to get around certain thing, uh, certain creative restraints. In yeah. A, it, well, certain, restra- certain restraints in a creative way. Yeah. Check it out. If you're an up-and-coming young filmmaker or are just interested in mm. up-and-coming filmmakers in general and are looking to execute big concepts with a right. small budget, then these are the directors you should te- check out. If audiences like Coherence, should they go see The Endless? Yes. How, how so? Because they're both, like I said, they're, why both, so they're, <laughs> they're both films that take a big idea and manage to execute it to varying degrees of quality with a low budget. Mm. And yeah, I think they're both examples of how we can sort of reestablish what we think are the bounds of creating a sci-fi film. Because yeah. a lot of mainstream sci-fi is in this sort of stratosphere of, oh, I can't make it without millions yeah. and millions yeah. of pounds or dollars. And I think filmmakers like these who made Coherence and The Endless and even Moon, yeah. which is a you know a little bit that's what higher it, budget, but still... That's yeah. what Duncan Jones has awkwardly... I feel like he's awkwardly fallen into with Mute, is that Moon was like similar to the end was this small thing and doing big things within it whereas mute was doing what uh mainstream sci-fi is doing which the the, the issue you said with mainstream sci-fi so which is which, what you just said <laughs> which i can't remember but like doing too much oh right yeah 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 sorry just to yeah, no, yeah of course yeah um I feel like my 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 foot wasn't on the the gas on this episode. I don't. And I think like it's we're, a, I, maybe it's, I don't have too. I don't. I think I struggle with critiquing sci-fi. If I were to like make a sort of all-encompassing comment as well, yeah. it's like making films in general and not just sci-fi, but films sure. in general, is what makes a film great as a focus on characters, essentially, Do isn't see, it? I. I disagree, but oh, go I on. think it depends on the film. Okay, well, uh, maybe not all there, films, but... It's like, uh, I, there, some films are, you know, the thing that makes it is the plot, some of them are, is mm. the characters or the atmosphere. I, 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 I think it varies with different films. But I think, like, for most of the films I've enjoyed, I, a lot of the driving force behind why I enjoy them is because I'm given characters that I can... Maybe sometimes sympathize with, but the important thing is identify with them yes, yeah. and focus on like what are their needs and wants, right. what do they want to do, what you know, what are they aiming for, and I think you can still achieve that on a low budget because right. you know, like in films like Moon and Coherence and The Endless, even though they're not these sort of huge films with not necessarily the biggest special effects, they do have an incredible focus on character. Right. I think so, and that's for me probably one of if not the most important thing when it comes to writing could, a great film could you identify with Aaron's character yes how, how, how come well because because this is someone that wants to go back into a cult that's quite a <laughs> big thing. well I can't identify with that no, specifically no, but like, what, but like I how did you find yourself identifying with the I think want? well so um, I think his sort of sense of optimism is something that right. you can identify with because you know, it's an endearing quality for a character to have and yeah. how he wants to see the bright side of this cult. And I think, because he's kind of the, he's portrayed as sort of the younger, naive yeah. sibling. And I think as, because I am a younger sibling and you sort of, when you have an older sibling, they kind of 
are a bit like a parent in some ways, yeah. sort of looking down and being skeptical, being like, oh, are you sure about this? Yeah. And I think, you know, that adds to the sort of identifiability of Aaron's character because he is in that position of being parented and he can find it a little bit condescending sometimes. Yeah. And... And naturally rebel about against that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... He has a... Like, both brothers in The Endless have very sound character motivations, I think. Yeah. That you can... I'd agree. I- identify with, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good mix of focusing on character and atmosphere. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's okay. <laughs> but, but it seems like the main struggle has been not character or atmosphere, but, but pacing. Pacing and just general plotting, I think, the way events unfold into one another. Yeah. But, um... Let us know what you think if you guys rent it or check it out wherever you can. Um, yeah, it's been... We've, 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 we've gone places, Matt. We have. Yeah. Did you like those places? We're still in your room. We, <laughs> on, a, on a conversational... Yes. Way. Yeah. Way? Way. I'm having a brain fart. I hope you guys are enjoying the episode. Send us a love heart emoji through Instagram if you like the episode. That's how we'll know. Um, <laughs> should we say those three magic words? Oh, it's, I realise one of us is going to get more of the, the sentence than the other. <laughs> who do, to who do we owe the privilege? Um, that's a wrap! Yay!